You know, I just said this to a co-worker a moment ago. Welcome into a Monday edition of the program. Power Talk a Muncie to new WMUN. First things first, um, there will be no one day in football where you have uh, at least two games, if not more in a day until September. And then uh, next weekend, final football game until late August early September that is the part of all of this I know there's a lot of football fans out there the uh, the big game coming up is going to be a lot of fun we're going to break down what occurred yesterday and uh, kind of uh, uh, parlay it as I like to say uh, with the Indianapolis Colts and uh, what they don't have that these teams have which I, I uh, quite frankly I think there's a lot uh, I think those four teams in yesterday's action, elite, uh, elite in a lot of ways. That's why they're there. Uh, that that shouldn't shock anybody uh, in, in any form or fashion. Uh, but those were two very interesting games, two very different games. But um, man, one of the things that I, I want to talk about here in a little bit. It's not what we're going to start the show with, but it's about why so quickly do fans want to move on from greatness. I get we get stale with the story. We get um, tired of the same narratives. You know, it's so funny because as as, as humans, I, I feel this way all the time. This is something my wife and I talk about frequently. When there's change in um, a little bit of changing a rhythm or changing uh, maybe your schedule, and we, 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 we naturally just don't do well with change, right? And in sports... Um, for some reason, we root for it. We want parity. We want difference. We don't want the same old stories, which ultimately, when we talk about the greats of the greats, they're supposed to get to the championships time and time again. Our teams, dynasties, are supposed to do this over and over again. And then we reminisce and talk about how great the run is. But when you're in the run, you get so tired of the same narratives. It kind of doesn't make sense when you think about it overall. But yet, that's what we do, and that's what happened yesterday, and we'll dive into a lot of it. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to um, compare it to the 2006-7 run by the Indianapolis Colts to the Super Bowl. This is something that probably no other show is going to do today, and it directly relates to what happened in yesterday's action in the NFL and the AFC and NFC Championship games. So we have our uh, big game set. Super Bowl is set. It is Kansas City. It is San Francisco. And for those that are out there, and I've seen it all over social media, and by the way, social media isn't the real world, but let's pretend like it is right now. If you are boycotting because you're tired of the same narratives with these two in the Super Bowl and you're not going to watch fine do do whatever you want to do man uh, I tell you what I'm, I'm pumped for that matchup I think it's going to be a great matchup I think it'll be a lot of fun two very differing styles I don't know how you can't get fired up for it I get if it's not your team in it and if you happen to be a Baltimore Ravens or Detroit Lions fan and you're still kind of in a little bit of mourning and fandom mourning I can kind of understand that but for those that don't feel like it's going to be a great matchup in a couple of of weeks I, I can't help you you either haven't watched a bunch of football or you're just trying to trying to troll trying to find a, you know throw out a hot ticket oh I'm, I'm gonna boycott uh, okay do what you want to do and by the way when you when, when it's put out on social media that people are gonna boycott they never do 
especially if they're a sports fan. So anyway, um, wow, what a what a weekend. Lots of different things happening. We're going to turn the page to February a little bit later this week. But uh, best of luck, by the way, to all the girls basketball high school teams this week because it is sectional basketball for the girls basketball side of things. The sectional tournament begins this week. And I think in East Central Indiana, we're going to have um, some really interesting teams that have a chance to make some runs coming up this week. So we'll try to follow along as best we can can with what occurs this week so best of luck to them we've got a wrestling sectional that just occurred we'll have swimming and diving as well we're about five weeks left in the regular season in high school boys basketball and then you know the last week of february into march will be that transition period into the sectional uh there so we're getting there starting to get to some of the best times of the year no doubt about it a little bit later on we'll discuss the significance that it feels like reportedly Tyree Salberton scheduled to return sometime this week maybe as early as tomorrow against the Boston Celtics that would be big news for Indiana of course we got a small glimpse of Halliburton and Pascal Siakam playing together um, speak, speaking of the, the Pacers how about the back-to-back wins against the 76ers and the Phoenix Suns that was awesome I mean, that was awesome. The The Suns game at the end was uh, pretty nerve-wracking, and the Pacers were able to close it out. you got to love that. Absolutely got to love that. So we'll get to that a little bit later in the show as well. It's a Reaction Monday for a reason. Hope you all had a great weekend. We're primed and ready for a big week this week. Uh, calls welcome at 765 287 1340 at Mark WMUN on Twitter as well. We start here with uh, two wins from Ball State women's basketball and by Ball State men's basketball. Uh, Got to love the way that the women's basketball team continues to roll on. Uh, the state is starting to pay attention a little bit to all of this. Big, big wins by uh, Ball State women's basketball. Uh, they win by 25 at Eastern Michigan. So to recap, they haven't had a game in the last two weeks that has been within uh, under 10 points of being the final score. Uh, Ball State, since January 13th, Bowling Green, they won by 15. Central Michigan, they won by 32. Uh, Toledo at home national TV wins by 14 then they win by 35 then they win by 25 they're not just winning they are rolling they are dominating and you know that word dominating is thrown out a lot I, I I guess you would reserve it for a run like this and a big time big time win by Ball State women's basketball they've got a difficult matchup coming up on Wednesday against Kent State Kent State's had a very nice start to the season and that'll be the matchup but it is at Worthen Arena so of course Ball State very good at home this season and they have that matchup coming up we'll talk more about uh, them a little bit later on uh, but but a huge win for Ball State men's basketball as well. Look, the way they closed the game, uh, they, they were well in front of Northern Illinois, uh, kind of took maybe the gas, uh, the, the, the foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Michael Lewis kind of alluded to that in the postgame comments, but still win all the knots. Uh, 81-71 against Northern Illinois. Uh, Ball State led by double figures going to halftime and were minus three in the second half. But um, Bashir Jihad, co-player uh, of the week in the Mid-American Conference, he put up 28 points, 14 rebounds, really efficient. And um, I, 
I kind of wonder this. Is he getting enough love? Is he getting enough recognition for what he's doing? Because I, I get, like, when when the team loses, we tend to focus on maybe the bigger picture of what's not going right. Um, and then when they win, you talk, you, you maybe give, give him his flowers a little bit, like, you know, the cool kids like to say. Um, but Bashir Jihad has been absolutely fabulous. He has been really consistent offensively. You know, when we had Coach on last week, he, he mentioned the uh, defensive side of the basketball as well. I've always called him just a matchup nightmare and, and felt that way even last year when his role was obviously very, very different. But Bashir Jihad has scored 20-plus uh, points in three straight games. And in those games, in the Miami of Ohio loss a week ago, he shot 45% against Buffalo in a win, 60%. And against Northern Illinois, he was 50% from the field and he's just playing at an efficient level offensively and you got to love it and you just understand that the 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 word usage and the word um, efficiency all of those different things he's got to make a lot of decisions with the ball in his hands as a guy that really is uh, you would like him to play like inside and out in a lot of ways you see him in, in a lot of these his teammates set him up no doubt about it but you see him playmaking a lot for himself. And at that size and at the mismatch he is, he's pretty crafty and pretty efficient with what he does. And, you know, what was happening early on in the season was because of so much emphasis and, and need for him to produce night after night, game after game, you saw him turn over the basketball. Um, at, at a very tough rate. And, you know, I think that's the one thing, if you look at the, the end numbers from Ball State, they um, turned over the basketball seven more times than did Northern Illinois, including uh, a ton from the starting lineup. And uh, from your backcourt, six uh, different turnovers between Davion Bailey and Jalen Anderson. G had had three turnovers, but there's been games where he's had a higher number than that. I feel like he's getting better in that regard. That's a long-winded way of saying that he's getting there, but there's no question he is vying for a first-team All-Mid-American Conference selection this season. He's averaging 19 a game, but you just watch the fluidity, the footwork, and um, this is something that Michael Lewis mentioned on the show and has every single time he's been on. They put a lot of emphasis into player development, that the player that you come in here as is different than when you play in your second year, your third year, etc., when, maybe when you leave the program. And there's no question that they have done that and that Bashir G. Had, it, it takes a – it's a give and take, Right. The player has to dedicate to be different than what he was coming in. And then also, uh, the coaches have to put him in the right position. And I'll say this, I, I, I think you can obviously see it from last week to, uh, or, or from last year to now. The emphasis that player development has been for this program. You saw Jalen Sellers last year really progress throughout the year. Um, I thought you saw Peyton Sparks get better and better and better, and there's many, many, many other examples. But even with this particular team, the player development with Trent Middleton Jr., 
a guy for a couple of games that didn't even play. And now he's playing, and now he's being counted on, and he's one of the main guys off the bench. He, he's a freshman, folks. You know, Davion Bailey, same way. You have young players on this team. And the player development side for a team that you expect to really compete in the Mid-American Conference, those two things go very hand-in-hand. But when it comes to player development, I don't think that there's any better example of that than Bashir Jihad. Because if you saw the player that Bashir was last year, and clearly different roles, no question about it, and what he is right now, as your mainstay, as your number one option, as the guy, as we mentioned time and time again, at the top of the, uh, the, the scouting report, it's, it's really impressive. It really, really is. And the word efficiency comes to mind. You know, against uh, Northern Illinois on Saturday, 9 for 18 from the floor, 2 for 4 from 3, got to the free throw line 10 times and was 8 for 10 from there. Ball State is a team 23 for 26 from the free throw line. This has always been a team that gets to the free throw line with frequency. It's, it's a hallmark of the Michael Lewis system. Go downhill, get to the rim, draw contact, get to the free throw line. And, and for your team to be uh, really, really good at the free throw stripe, and they have been. And um, I, I think it's a big win. Now, you fast forward to this week. And again, uh, let me go back to one thing real quick, and we'll go to this week. So... Last two weeks, four games, we, we hyper-focused on these last two weeks. We've been talking about it time and time again, and it felt like this time last week, man, what a missed opportunity against Miami of Ohio, and you will still feel that way, no doubt about it. But if you looked at the last two weeks and you looked at those four opponents and you were to put a number in your head of record, you said, or I said, I'll just speak for myself. Don't want to speak for anybody else. Speaking for myself, going three and one was the bare minimum. And you hit that. So you got to feel good about what you've accomplished. You've won three or four. And you started to get into a little bit of a rhythm. It was a part of the schedule, again, that middle to bottom part of the Mid American Conference that you played, that you were able to take advantage of. And you just you feel like this team is starting to develop its identity. You really are. And, oh, by the way, of those three wins, two of the three were on the road, at Eastern Michigan and at Buffalo. The home win was against Northern Illinois again on Saturday. So there's a lot to like, okay? Is it perfect by any means? No, I don't think you like the way you finished. But you have a dude and Bashir Jihad, that going in game after game after game is going to be an absolute matchup nightmare, and that, that that's going to make you feel really, really good, okay? Making you feel really, really good about where you're at. Um, you're starting to deepen this rotation a little bit, like we mentioned with uh, Trip Middleton getting into the mix, uh, Davion Bailey as well, Jalen Anderson. Look, you're, you're starting five is starting to really, really chill, and you're starting to go six deep. And by the way, in that game on Saturday, Ben Hendricks wasn't available. So you're a little bit shorthanded there. Uh, but you played predominantly a six-man rotation and overwhelmed Northern Illinois. And again, it doesn't matter who you play. As we talked about with Coach, as we talk about with Mick Tidrell every week and Kyle Smedley, look, uh, as you can see, Akron, by the way, uh, suffered its first loss in conference play. It can happen against anybody. It really can. It can happen against 
anybody um, as far as a loss like that. Miami of Ohio went in and beat Akron, by the way. Did you see Darwishi Hunter hit that step back three? Almost the exact same shot he tied the game against Ball State with. Miami of Ohio goes in and beats Akron. So Akron loses their first. They're still well at the top of the conference. But Miami of Ohio was an under 500 conference team, and Miami of Ohio beat Akron. It can happen anywhere. So you do not take a win for granted in this conference, not because we said so, but because the coaches say so all the time, because you just it's way more even than the record ever shows. But the expectation and the, the things that this program wants to accomplish, again, is way, way bigger than uh, obviously just beating Northern Illinois. But that's what you have from a task-minded mindset. You know, I, I read uh, the story from the Ball State Daily News. Zach Carter did a great job. Shout out to Zach. And we, um, you know, reading it, you know, they're so locked in on this game. Michael Lewis said, I didn't even know t- uh, Bowling Green was coming up on Tuesday. We're so locked in to making sure that they took care of Northern Illinois, and they looked rather efficient in doing so. So Ball State 11-9, and 3-5 in conference. And look, th- this, is a, this is a pretty big game coming up against Bowling Green. Uh, Bowling Green, um, so far this year, 5-3 and three in conference. So you're going to face a team that is kind of like Miami of Ohio in that, you know, they're right in the middle to upper part. You know, the, 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 the second tier in the Mid-American Conference from a record standpoint, you know, Central Michigan, Bowling Green, Western Michigan. You're going to see two of those three teams coming up in your next two. Western Michigan's five and three, Bowling Green's five and three, and then you got Akron at the top with Toledo at seven and one apiece. So, again, uh, you know, just based on this last week, Ball State was second to last in the Mid-American Conference. Now, um, they're, you know, they're right at the bottom portion of the middle, if that makes sense. I mean, that's how quickly it flipped, right? So, you're, you're, uh, you're a game clear of Eastern Michigan, you're two games clear of Buffalo, and now you're three games clear of Northern Illinois. And, oh, by the way, you beat all three of those teams. So, you're well within it. Uh, you know, you're, you're right there with Kent State. Kent State beat you on the opening night you didn't feel good about that but I would say over the last three weeks you're a different basketball team so you're not at the bottom you're squarely right there in the middle and with these next couple weeks folks you have a you do have a real chance a real shot to even elevate more Um, you're going to see Ohio uh, a little bit later down the road here actually next week um, you're really going to have a, have a chance to go a long way in doing that with two teams that are 5-3 and three above you. Whatever happens in these next two games, man, that could say a lot um, in that. So the fact of the matter is you have everything to play for. Everything you, you need to play for or where you want to position yourself, you have ahead of you. And that's, that's all you can say. You got yourself back into the mix. Um, I, I don't know if you, you go back to last week or whatever never felt like there was a dire urgency moment no I don't think there were any um you know things like must wins and that type of terminology yet and uh you you got things done and there you go you're right you're right where you want to be 
right now. And so two uh, two really good matchups. So one with uh, Bowling Green coming up tomorrow and then Western Michigan coming up on Saturday as well. Thanks to those of you joining us on Facebook Live. We're fired up for a Monday. Uh, it's going to be a different week for me because I am off uh, a little bit later this week, Jared Boomer and Zach Johnson, as they always do, a fantastic job filling in, will be with us. Uh, Jared's got Wednesday and Thursday and Zach on Friday, so taking a couple days away, and we'll be back in better than ever next week. But we got a great week of shows for you. Um, thanks to those of you joining us on Facebook Live. I think I already said that, but just to, just, just to mention it one more time. Um, so um, I, this kind of hit me. When I walked into the studio today, this is what happens, right? I, I get so in my thoughts sometimes about things going on and how we can relate it to local because that's that's ultimately what this show's about. Sometimes we touch on national topics. We definitely t- touch on statewide topics. Of course, we're going to talk about the championship games from yesterday. That That is usually as far as we get in talking about national topics. However, I think there is a very distinct way we can relate it to local. And um, I'm going to bring back what is probably the most glorious run in Indianapolis Colts franchise history. And that was 2006 and 2007 when they won the Super Bowl. And by the way, it's not going to be specifically about the Peyton Manning-led team. It's going to be about one of the opponents. I'm going to tell you about that when we come back here on The Power on a Monday. Hope you're having a great Monday. We're back with you next. Yes, back at it. Muncie, the new WMUN. You know the drill. Always presented by Walls Furniture and Mattress. Nebo Road in Muncie online, wallsfurniture.com. Hey, their difference is this, 90% of what's on the showroom floor in stock for you 48 hours or less. Look, you're not going to wait you're going to go in there, select something you like. The showroom's vast, lots of selection, but the difference is just that. 90% of what's on the showroom floor in stock for you, 48 hours or less. It's the Walls difference. Nebo Rodimansi online, wallsfurniture.com, where you can shop and browse right there. All right, uh, calls welcome at 765-287-1340 at Mark WMUN on Twitter as well i open the show by teasing where we're headed in this particular segment patrick mahomes does it again people are tired of the story and you know what to a certain extent i get it but at the same time as we reminisce on the new england patriots dynasty with bill belichick and tom brady we're now trying to reminisce and talk about how great that run is and it'll never happen again. And we do that in retrospect, but in the moment, we get tired of the story. You get tired of Tom Brady going back to another Super Bowl. And if there's any market, any state that knows that, it's Indiana, right? You get tired of Tom Brady there. But I, I would I would pull a lot of football fans in this state and, and, and they would probably finally get to the realization, hey, okay. Wasn't fun to go against Brady and Belichick and lose the many times that they did before the uh, Indianapolis Colts broke through in 06-07, but you can sit back and respect the dynasty that it was. And it was true greatness. You know, if you could say anything, hey, if that wasn't in the way, what would have happened with Peyton and the Colts and those sorts of things? I think most fans, most, <laughs> maybe not the diehard ones, can, in a little way, 
respect it in a small way. I, I know I've gotten to that. I grew up just like everybody else did watching this team and living and dying by every play. But we're, we're you know, 15 years past that. And it was a fun run during that time. It absolutely was. But you could sit back and respect it. And maybe there's some fatigue because of the celebrity nature to Mahomes and Kelsey and the Taylor Swift angle and, and those sorts of things. Like maybe the exhaustion comes from not the on-field football-related stuff, but it's all the extra stuff. And look, I understand that. I do. I get it. But it comes with the territory, right? You know, and then fans want to believe it's fixed. I'm not even going to get into those things because I think it is so preposterous that it that you could literally convince yourself that this sport is fixed with all of the moving parts that there's any form or fashion that it is fixed. But here's where I want to go with this. And I want to specifically talk about the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I just don't know when it ever became kind of common knowledge that they were going to be written off this year. And ask, you know, people around me, and I know there's people that listen to this show that know me, know, uh, know some of my friends, acquaintances, that we have sports conversation all the time. And if I was asked about the NFL at any point this year, the one thing I said is do not listen to the narrative that the Chiefs have zero chance of competing in the playoffs because until I see it and they get knocked off, I still believe that that team can do some damage, whether they're at home, whether they're on the road, whether they're scoring 35 points or they're scoring 17 to 20. You gotta, you, you gotta show me it to believe it, and this has nothing to do with Baltimore. This has nothing to do with Buffalo. It has everything to do with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and I just knocked off my computer charger. Everything's good. Everything's good. We didn't break a computer, or we didn't break a a, 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 a microphone. That's good. Um, and Andy Reid. I mean, honestly, Andy Reid's a big part of this, and I think he gets overlooked because of the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, and people get tired of hearing all that stuff. I understand that. But until it happens, I'm, I'm, I'm not going there. But in, in this day, uh, day and age in sports media, you want to be the first that said, hey, this Chiefs team isn't even close to what it's been. But I just said, why can't we wait and get the story right? And if they happen to get beat by Buffalo or they happen to have gotten beaten by Baltimore. But they didn't. (laughs) This is a way different team than the previous couple. And, And here's the funny thing. It almost is kind of in reverse of what Tom Brady went through, right? Brady won his first couple three Super Bowls with a great defense. And he had a a solid offense, more of a ground-and-pound team, and he completed third downs. And then later in the career, it was more dependent on Tom Brady. And this is the credit you have to give Patrick Mahomes is this. Patrick Mahomes came in, and the system was centered around his talents. You know, they were going to be a 30, 40-plus point team. And they were going to win in the style of up and down and scoring a bunch of points and being uh, skill player oriented. Well, now this year, 
their defense is one of the top five defenses and Patrick Mahomes is managing the game and scoring when they can but playing smart complimentary football it's kind of a reverse tactic in a lot of ways but you know what it reminded me of this in 2006 and 2007 the New England Patriots met up with the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC championship we remember that one right because that was the that was the moment. Many will say this. Many will say that that was a bigger moment than was the Super Bowl win over Chicago. Because you finally got over the hurdle of the New England Patriots. Finally. Didn't just beat them in the regular season. Beat them when it mattered. And, you know, obviously early on didn't go very well. 21-3. to And um, Colts came all the way back and, and won the football game. But you know what? If you look back at that Patriots team, you know what's really interesting about it? I, I would love to take a poll of who they thought the wide receivers and the skill position players on that particular team really was. So the running back was Corey Dillon, and he was a great player. Perfect for the time. He was a true power back, um, but towards the end of his career, but still a pretty good player. Okay, So I'll give you that. Do you know his receivers were, were, were this? Troy Brown, Rache Caldwell, and Jabbar Gaffney were the three wide receivers. Then you had Eric Davis, Karan Henry. I mean, guys you will never, ever, ever hear from. And if you look back at that AFC championship game and you think about how fans felt oh my gosh you're gonna have to go through the New England Patriots again but it was more about Tom Brady than it was about his skill position like the dreaded fact that you had to go through those guys oh no you had to go through Brady but you don't go through the the extra stuff like okay he had Corey Dillon and Kevin Falk and Troy Brown and Rache Caldwell and Jabbar Gaffney this wasn't Dion Branch this wasn't Randy Moss this wasn't Wes Welker Rob Gronkowski Aaron Hernandez which Aaron Hernandez was good when he played for the team you know it's kind of amazing I don't remember Tom Brady getting that sort of disrespect. The Patriots won the AFC East that year, didn't score a ton of points, but yet it wasn't like, well, hey, Tom Brady can't do it because he doesn't have skill position players. His wide receivers are terrible. But somehow, some way, Patrick Mahomes got that all year long. Oh, well, hey, you know, they, the Travis Kelsey ain't great anymore. Hey, you know, um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling can't catch a ball. Rasheed Rice is all they got. Isaiah Pacheco can't lead them. But you know what? Kind of reminds me of that New England Patriots team in 06. Does it not? I mean, it really, really reminds me of it. A bunch of just guys at wide receiver. But somehow, someway, Tom Brady got them to that that, that threshold right but yet I don't hear the same stuff for Brady and I get, I know the media cycles different than it was back then but man if you think about that 06 you know year and, and and that matchup you would have thought that the Colts were going against Randy Moss Rob Gronkowski and Wes Welker with that 06 team they had yet to get there 
but it forced the Patriots the next year, by the way, uh, to go out and get Wes Welker and Randy Moss and, and, and you know, Martellus Bennett that year. It, I mean, that was the year where the, the Colts beat them. And it forced Bill Belichick in that operation to do something a little bit different. But that's what it ex- that's what it reminded me of yesterday when Patrick Mahomes got it done and they went there. You know, I know Travis Kelsey's a bigger name than any other skill position player that was on that 06 New England Patriots team. But man, outside of that, it was quarterback led. The the way things happened. And by the way, yesterday. The fact that the, 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 the Chiefs, in two of their first three drives, went right down the field and scored. That ball to Travis Kelsey by Mahomes. They didn't turn the football over. Um, that's all the stuff that nobody would have ever, ever predicted in the regular season. But somehow, some way. You, you want to be the first to say, I don't know, hey, maybe the salary cap situation is catching up to the Chiefs because they had to pay all this money to Mahomes and all this money to Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones and everybody else, and maybe they didn't focus enough on the wide receivers. Well, I'd say it was pretty good enough to go into Baltimore, the team that was supposedly labeled unbeatable, and the Chiefs got it done. So I just sit back and laugh. <laughs> I sit back and just and just shake my head because again, you you, you just want to be first. You wanna you want to complain. You wanna you wanna say, oh hey, it, it, and it's crazy, man. It, it it is absolutely crazy. It really really is. So um, hey, you got to deal with it for another couple weeks. Got to deal with it. Kansas City's there, and, and I wouldn't be surprised. If they were a favorite in this Super Bowl. I don't know. I haven't seen the line yet. Um, And then there's the San Francisco-Detroit game. San Francisco scoring 24 unanswered points is insane in the second half when you're down 24-7 at halftime. I mean, that lead evaporated in one quarter in the third quarter. San Francisco was on the ropes. Detroit had all the momentum. And you could just feel like it was shifting in that first drive in the second half. And look, I I have some respect for Dan Campbell from from Detroit to sit there and and play and and coach the way that he did. But but here's what I'll say. I, I also respect the fact he say he's gonna do what got him there. But there's something to why Kansas City's gone to the Super Bowl as many times as they have. It's it's kind of a reason why Kyle Shanahan has now gone to two Super Bowls in the last four or five years. Okay, You do have to do things differently in the playoffs. You can't do what got you there. You have to play it differently and play it by the game-by-game situation because, as I heard another host say today, hey, Detroit's not playing Minnesota. They're playing the San Francisco 49ers on the road. So you do have to adapt. You do have to do things differently. And, and yeah, there's a reason you got there. I'm not disputing that. But there's also a different way to go about it than be ultra-aggressive in those moments. And I love the aggressiveness. I think everybody does. But you could say in those moments that it changed the momentum by the 49ers making key stops. There are there are three or four or five different key moments in every football game. And oftentimes, when you can look at that and you have more of those than the opposition, it's likely you're going to win the football game. 
you know, three, four, five plays doesn't decide the game, but key moments do from a momentum standpoint. Momentum's real. Something you can't put your finger on. Something you really can't teach. But you could, as a fan, if you've watched enough football, you could see that shift with those two fourth down decisions. And, um, look, I, I, I think Dan Campbell's a really good coach. I wonder if he'll learn from this. And it's tough that's the way that Detroit had to go out after getting off to that ridiculous start and all of the different things that happened. But there is no question about it. In that city, they are going to be questioning that decision-making. And I get it. That's what this business is about. That's what sports are all about in those moments. Doesn't take away from the successes. But, man, it's got to make you think about all those things. Now, I don't think it was just the coach. I don't think it was Jared Goff. There were a couple key drops as well. Um, you you got to make some plays. And the 49ers made nearly every single play in the second half that they needed to. And that's what champions do. And, hey, it doesn't matter how you get there. I, it wasn't pretty. And clearly that Detroit was outplaying San Francisco in, 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 the, in the first half. But, uh, yeah, it can change on a dime. And it certainly did, 17-point deficit or not. Congratulations to San Francisco. And this is going to be a heck of a matchup. Kansas City, San Francisco, I think it's great. Here's the other takeaway. And Colts fans aren't going to like hearing this. The Colts are far away from those four teams. I mean, so far away. I think a lot of the NFL is, but man, when you were watching the different ways that things were happening for both of those teams, all four of them, really, Detroit, Baltimore, Kansas City, and San Francisco, folks, I don't know if you sat there like I did, but there, there's so many elite players on either sides of, those football, uh, of the football for all four of those teams. I just don't see that for the Colts. So, hey, there's a ways to go. You got a good blueprint, a good base in place, but that's also what stood out to me as well. All right, uh, we'll step aside, come back, talk about Tyrese Halliburton potentially returning this week. That's coming your way next. Power Talk on CWMUA. Welcome back inside the program. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN, brought to you in part by Sheriff Gosselin Roofing. You're just there to protect your family. Make sure you're doing all you can to protect them. Sheriff Gosselin Roofing has been helping families for generations. Remember to call Pete Dahlia or look them up at worryfreeroof.com. So, we got two weeks to talk about the big game coming up, and um, I, would ima- I wouldn't imagine there's much going on between now and then related to the Indianapolis Colts, but hey, we'll, uh, we'll try to cover that story as best we can. Again, Chiefs and 49ers, a rematch of the Super Bowl. What was that, three, four years ago, something like that? I think three years ago was Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Two years ago was uh, Rams versus Bengals, and of course last year was uh, Kansas City versus Philadelphia, and uh, we, we know how all of those turned out. So anyway, um, I'm in the business of respecting greatness, and that's what the Kansas City Chiefs have done, and um, clearly um, they've, they've, it, it all changed when Patrick Mahomes walked in the door. It did. So if you want to hate, if you're tired of the story, that's on you. But, hey, it's uh, it's pretty darn impressive. Uh, that That is for sure. And even in this 
scenario too. They were doubted. So, you know, last year when they were the one seed and they went to the playoffs and won it all and they said, oh, we were disrespected, I laughed at that. But this year they were. Uh, they had to win two road games and do things they hadn't had to do before in the playoffs, and yet they're still here and <laughs> they're still the big dog in the AFC. No doubt about it. So, all right, a uh, story out today. Uh, this was from ESPN. Tyrese Halliburton's been out for a week um, after briefly coming back after his absence from a hamstring injury. It appears that he will be back potentially tomorrow. Now, he spoke to the media today and said, as long as everything goes to plan, we'll see. And th- this is... um. Yeah, th- th- this is this is a tough one. It, it really, really is, because in one respect, you you know you need him in order to maintain improve your position in the East, and, and you're starting after the All Star break and to get to that point. There's also a point where you say, "Hey, didn't you already go a little bit early before?" How do you judge that, and, and how do you know when he's fully back? Because I think last Friday. A week ago Friday kind of scared you a little bit um, because he came back, maybe tweaked it, and, and and then he was on the shelf for another week. Like, this is a tough scenario in which to play out. And also, my biggest question has been, as, as we go through the next couple, three weeks, like, how involved do you recommend to him being in the All-Star Game festivities in downtown Indianapolis? I, I just... I get the whole representation thing to me that the All-Star game would mean absolutely nothing. It's great to have them there. It's great to have them represented, have them, you know, in the building for the uh, introductions and all of that. But, but in street clothes, please. I mean, I I don't want him to to have anything to do with an exhibition game right now. Because there are bigger things at stake. And clearly, again, at home, winning two games, 76ers and Suns, this without Tyrese Halliburton, two teams that factor into being big playoff contenders, and you beat them both? Like, you you really truly have some, have a chance to do something pretty impressive this year because you have beaten pretty much every power that you have run into. Every top team in the league that you've played this year, you have beaten those teams. Like, this isn't just like, hey, they're a really nice, fun team. Maybe they could, you know, clip somebody. And I I think this team legitimately can compete to win a playoff series and maybe have an outside chance at an Eastern Conference Finals um, opportunity. But, again, that all hinges on the health and availability of Tyrese Halliburton so you got to be careful on this I'm not saying they're not but I think you learned a little bit of a lesson uh, from what occurred about a week and a half ago so we'll see what happens Uh, we'll see what happens all right Uh, when we come back we'll close up a Monday show that's right after this And brought to you by State Farm Agent Jason May. Make sure you get all the discounts you deserve by calling Jason at 747-7100 today. Glad you're with us. A very busy week ahead. 
Yes, what's going on? Uh, Ball State men's basketball in action again tomorrow night. Ball State women on Wednesday. Uh, high school basketball coverage Thursday night as uh, a rivalry is renewed with uh, the Muncie Central Bearcats hosting the Marion Giants at the North Walnut Street Fieldhouse. So we'll have coverage of that a little bit later this week as well. Again, we mentioned the girls basketball state tournament begins this week with sectional action, so we'll keep up to date on that. Again, I think we're going to have some some teams that are going to make some runs around here uh, based on the way it kind of looked out in the draw as well. So um, we'll continue talking Pacers, Colts, high school, all of those factors right here on the program this week week so i hope you all had a great weekend again great nfl action and now we have the big game set with the kansas city chiefs and san francisco 49ers we'll preview a little bit of that uh, keep up to date on all the happenings there as well all right we are back with you tomorrow same time same place four o'clock we'll talk to you then have a great evening